With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Wednesday, the 9th of June, and we're brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix, access Now TV if you're outside the UK, keeps your data safe online. That's the most important thing. So check out LibertyShield.com. And use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. As I mentioned yesterday, folks, I would really appreciate if you could all take the time and look up what is going on in the northwest of Ireland, in Donegal and Mayo and Sligo. The mica redress, the mica scandal... Just worth your time to take a, take a minute, have a look. There are multiple petitions online. If you find, just Google Micah Petition, uh, and you'll be able to throw your name on one of those and hopefully help get this scandal in front of the Irish government so that something proper can be done about the situation people find themselves in. Right, folks. Not a whole lot going on today. Obviously, we are moving towards the Euros. They kick off on Friday. Bad news in the run-up to it. Donny van de Beek has been ruled out through injury. He's obviously had a very disappointing season with Manchester United. Barely got to play and now ruled out with an injury. Um, His career was going really, really well until he met Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And since then, it has been one issue after another. Either the manager not trusting him, manager not giving him enough playing time. And now another injury. It's a shame for the Dutch because I think Donny would have played an important role for them. Uh, he's certainly far more valued with his national team than he is by his club manager, who, as I said, when they signed him, I don't think they ever wanted him. I think it was a signing for the sake of a signing. And I think 1,456 minutes in 36 appearances goes to show United didn't know what they were signing. They thought they were signing a central midfielder. He's not. He's an attacking midfielder. They already had Bruno Fernandes. They didn't need him at all. Uh, Donny out of the Euros. Dejan Kulusevski, the big hope for Sweden, will miss the first game, at least, after testing positive for COVID-19. Matthias Svanberg also has a positive test. So both of them left behind in Stockholm 
The squad have traveled to Gothenburg to get ready for the game, but no Kulisevsky in the first game is a huge blow for um, for the Swedes. Likewise for Spain, Diego Loriente has become the second part, second player in the squad to test positive after Sergio Busquets. Now Loriente probably wouldn't have started for them. I think they'll probably go with the Pau Torres. Americ Laporte partnership at centre back, but Llorente would be you know a solid backup. He's a good player, showed well for Leeds this season, uh, so he's going to miss the first game or two as well. This is the risk that was always going to be involved with the these Euros. Unfortunately, for these players, you know they've been hit by the virus, but it is just an ongoing problem. You do sort of feel like if. It was a, a normal Euros played in one or two countries and there was a bubble situation where there was no interaction with the outside world. Maybe the players would be a bit safer. I don't really like the format of it being spread out all over Europe. It's the ego trip of of Platini. And thankfully, he's not around to get his you know victory lap. But shame for Lariente, shame for Busquets. Same for Kulisevsky and Svanberg. Hopefully they recover quickly and don't have any long-lasting effects. We've seen that long COVID can be a real thing and it can have horrible effects on, on players' form and ability. Debbie Hewitt is to be appointed as the first chairwoman of the FA, uh, the first woman who will take charge of the organization in the 158-year history of the FA she was a unanimous choice by the seven-person panel. I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's breaking down yet another wall. It's very, very important to have more female voices in the upper echelons of football. So congratulations to Debbie Hewitt. I'm sure she'll do a very, very good job. She comes very highly regarded. Marcel Sabitzer looks like he is on his way out of RB Leipzig at a very affordable price. Rumours are 17.5 million could be the fee. Now, this is a player who had a 50 million pound release clause in his contract. Tottenham have chased him for a couple of years. But now that he's only got 12 months left on his contract, he may well be available very cheap. The Athletic reporting that 17.5 million could be around the fee. I think there'll be a whole bunch of clubs who will be interested in him. He's a very, very talented player, very versatile player. Can play in midfield, can play in attack, can play wide or central. Very, very talented player. Would fit well in the Premier League. Well-schooled at Leipzig. Was at Salzburg before that. Presses like a demon. Very good on the ball. Leadership qualities. I think we'll see a couple of top Premier League clubs show strong interest in him. If Arsenal want to be a serious club this summer, he would make a very impressive signing for them. He would make a lot of sense for Arsenal to come in, play in either a midfield two or three, can play in the advanced roles. If you wanted to play Smith-Rowe on the left, which seems to be the plan, Saka on the right, Smith-Rowe on the left, Sabitzer can be your 10. You can play Sabitzer on the right, Saka on the left, and Smith-Rowe was a 10. You could play Sabitzer on the right, or sorry, on the left, with Smith-Rowe through the middle and Saka out left. So. Oh, sorry, outright. It does give, he gives real flexibility. 
I think if Arsenal were being serious about what they're doing, I think he'd make a lot of sense for them. He's 26, I believe. He could be 27. I think he's 26. So he's in the age bracket. Sorry, he is 27. 27 earlier this year. He's in the age bracket where he'll still be good enough in two to three years when you've got a good team that's capable of doing something. And for that type of price, for a club strapped for cash a little bit and lacking in leadership, Sabitzer could make a lot of sense. And it'd be nice to get one over on your your North London rivals, wouldn't it? The six Premier League clubs who agreed to join the Breakaway Super League have agreed to pay a combined fee of over £20 million as part of the settlement with the Premier League. The clubs have been told that they will be hit with individual £20 million fines and a 30-point deduction should they agree to join a Breakaway Super League in the future. I mean, no, they won't. Let's let's be completely honest about this. No, they won't. And twenty million to these clubs, it's what three point three million each. Chump change, chump change to these six clubs. Abramovich spends that on art for his girlfriend every week. City, I mean, City won't care. Liverpool won't care. The owners, owners have agreed to pay it. It won't come out of the club. You'd imagine that the Glazers will have a little bit of a tantrum about it and it'll come out of the club's funds rather than their own pocket. Same with Arsenal. <laughs> Daniel Levy might have to pay it himself if Joe Lewis catches wind of what's going on. It's a very small slap on the wrist in the great in the grand scheme of things. Now, it's it's a huge amount of money to normal people. It's a huge amount of money to some clubs. You know, the likes of Burnley, 3.3 million fine would be huge to them. Palace. But to these six, no, not really. Not really. Uh, speaking of Crystal Palace, yesterday, most of the show was on the likely arrival of Nuno Espirito Santo. And today it turns out that the, the deal is off. Uh, Nuno will not be joining Crystal Palace. Apparently some late demands that he made uh, with regards to some of the staff he wanted to bring in and also three players from Wolves that he was adamant they needed to sign at any cost has led them to, uh, has led Palace to pull the plug and move on with their search. As I went through yesterday, Nuno was an awkward fit in terms of what he likes to do and how much they would need to bring in to fit what Nuno wants and how he plays. Palace have, have never played a style like Nuno's. Palace traditionally have been a bit more of a defensive counter-attacking team. Nuno wants to play on the front foot, wants to be aggressive. So maybe for all parties, it's the right move. Palace is an enormous job this year. Half a squad, half a first team. Needs a manager that can build things. Nuno's shown he can build, but he had George Mendes siphoning him players. Maybe Palace weren't willing to deal with Mendes either. You get in bed with Mendes, all of a sudden you find your bank account decreasing rapidly. 
I think I think Nuno will find a job this summer because he is a good manager. But I don't know if Palace was the ideal fit for him anyway. There'll be clubs across Europe. There's still clubs in England looking for managers. Would it be a surprise if Tottenham ended up going for Nuno? They'd be a little bit disappointed, I think, considering they were all in for Conte. But with the squad they have, Nuno could make sense for them as a short-term fix. I'm not sure who the three players he allegedly wanted from Wolves were. I'd guess maybe Ruben Neves was one. He's a dictator in midfield. Maybe Jimenez up top. With regards to the third one, your guess is as good as mine. For Palace now, they have to find somebody else. They'd gotten quite deep into Nuno. So now they have to start over. Steve Cooper from Swansea could be an option. Progressive manager. Wants to play good football. Develops young players, which I think will be you know, something that the ownership at, at Palace will want because they do have quite a decent academy there. They've always produced good players. It's obviously cheaper to buy young players as well than it is to buy players in their prime years. So Cooper could make sense. He's also very, very good at working with loan players. He's got a great reputation as, as a developmental coach. So a lot of clubs are happy to send their players to work with Steve Cooper. You look at what they've done at Swansea since he's been there. They have used the loan market. In his first season, they brought in Ben Wilmot from Watford, Freddie Woodman, Aldo Kalulu, Sam Surridge, Ream Brewster, Mark Wahey and Conor Gallagher. And we saw Gallagher in the Premier League this past season. Obviously did very well. He Brewster did so well there. Liverpool managed to turn him into a £26 million sale. Ben Wilmot had a pretty decent season with Watford. Played 20, 25 games in their league campaign as they came up. Freddie Woodman and Gwehi, Newcastle and Chelsea were so happy with, with how they did, they got them sent back. You know, if, if a manager can get a player back a second year on loan, it's generally a sign that the parent club are happy with the development. Uh, this past season, Conor Hurahan went there, rediscovered his best form. Jordan Morris did pretty well. Morgan Gibbs-White didn't work out. That's I think that's fair to say. And I don't think Casey Palmer did all that well either. He's a bit older, and I think I think it was an odd signing at the time. He did okay, uh, and I think Bristol brought him back and, and ended up using him. They did. Bristol, Bristol brought him back and put him in their team, so they were obviously relatively happy with how he'd done. Uh, and Sam Surridge was the other one. Not a great season when he was there the first year, but did okay. Did okay and went back to, to Bournemouth and played a pretty big role this season. I've said before, one of the things Palace will need to do is hit the loan market. They don't have the finances to bring in everything they want in one window unless they pick up players on freeze and on loans. And when you've got a really high-end developmental coach 
it makes it easier to get loans. If they want a goalkeeper, why wouldn't Newcastle send Freddie Woodman there? They need a couple of centre-backs. Why wouldn't Chelsea send Mark Wahey there? He knows the manager's done really well under him already. It'd be a step up into the Premier League, but it'd be a comfortable step up. The other option could be Chris Wilder. Still out of work. Was expected to take the West Brom job. Looks like he won't get that job now. Chris Wilder's proven he can do it in the Premier League. His first season there with Sheffield United, having brought them up from League One, was excellent. He's a squad builder. Now, like with Nuno, Palace's current squad isn't all that well set up for how Wilder likes to play. But Wilder's probably more proficient at finding value. And if Wilder was asking for players from his former club, I think the ones from Sheffield United that he would want, likely Jack O'Connell, maybe Sander Berger, I think they're more affordable than the ones that Nuno will have wanted from Wolves. Now, Wilder's system is quite complicated and could take a bit of time to integrate into the squad. You have to have specific players for specific roles. Takes quite a lot of getting used to, but at the same time, he is a good manager. He could be worth the risk, and if you went down, you'd still back Wilder to bring you back up. And it might not be a bad thing for Palace. Well, it would be a bad thing for Palace, but it wouldn't be a death knoll to the club if they went down because they could reset and come back up. They'd lose a couple of players, obviously. Ebrichiez is not going to play in the championship. But look, I think I think Wilder makes sense. I would try Cooper first. The only issue there is you have to pay compensation to Swansea. They're not going to let him go too cheap. But they will be aware that if a Premier League club comes in, they'll probably lose him. And they're probably okay with that. They did the same thing with Graham Potter. Cooper replaced Potter and you know his stock has, has very much risen over his two years in South Wales. Um, Wolves have announced Bruno Lage as their new manager. Uh, former Benfica manager did really well there. He's been in England before was an assistant at Sheffield Wednesday and at um, Swansea under Carlos Carviol. Won the title with Benfica, brilliant first season, played great football, couldn't turn things around in the second season. When it went wrong, it really went wrong. And he couldn't quite turn things around. But overall, 76 games in charge, 51 wins, 12 draws, 13 defeats, 171 goals scored, 75 conceded, and a 67.1% win ratio. Portuguese coach of the year. He's got a, a decent track record for a manager with such a limited experience as the main guy. But he has been a coach since the 90s. He became a coach at 21, didn't really have a, a professional playing career, uh, became a coach at 21, youth coach, then assistant, found his way to Carviol and obviously did very, very well as uh, as his his number two. So it's it's an appointment that fits 
I'll be interested to see how he plays, what system, what formation. That Wolves squad, it needs work. Whether there's money to spend or not, who knows. But it looks like a decent appointment. It does look like a decent appointment. Um, as for West Brom, having decided not to go at Wilder, it looks like David Wagner, former Huddersfield Town and Schalke manager, will be the guy. Now, he did really well at Huddersfield, obviously. Brought them up, kept them up. Second season of the Premier League didn't go well, but that was, you know, kind of always bound to, uh, bound to happen. Went to Schalke, started really well. And then it all turned into a disaster. Now, that's not on him. Schalke were a mess long before he arrived. They've been a mess since he left. It's very much not on Wagner that the that things didn't go well there. It was probably the wrong job for him to take. But you're not going to turn down Schalke. They're one of the four or five biggest clubs in Germany. So if the opportunity comes up, you take it. It leaves Tottenham needing a manager and obviously Everton. Now, Everton have been linked with Graham Potter in recent days. It's one that makes sense. Young manager, well, he's 46, but young in terms of managing in England, only three years experience. Was with Ostersund for seven years in Sweden and did incredible work there. But his reputation has really grown since he's come back to England. Even though the Swansea season didn't go brilliantly, he impressed enough with his management, with his coaching, with the style of play that Brighton jumped in and grabbed him. He's done well at Brighton. Now, I think this season was a bit disappointing. I wouldn't put too much of the blame on Potter. I think he was left short in the summer. Everton won't leave him short. Everton will back him. If we work under the assumption that he'll want to play a back three, They've got a good group of players to play that system. You look at Ben Godfrey as your Adam Webster, Michael Keane as your Lewis Dunk, Holgate as your Ben White. Dini is a massive upgrade on anybody he had. he's had as a left wing back. They'll need a right wing back, but they need a right back anyway. Alan and Dekure, Dekure in that Basuma role, Alan or uh, Alan in the, the Basuma role, Dekure box to box. Sometimes he'll play with a third in there, more of a, a a ball player, a controller. He could use Andre Gomes in that role, or they could sign somebody. Sometimes he uses a ten. They have Hamez. I think James would quite enjoy playing under Potter, but I think Potter would lose his mind at James's lack of defensive ability or interest. I think he'd love the front two, Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. I think Potter would work really well at Everton, but a lot of managers on the up have gone to Everton and it hasn't worked for them. The mindset at Everton is is slightly off. And Everton fans are not always realistic in terms of where their club is. And, and obviously getting Carlo 
hasn't really helped that. Because when you're a bottom half team and you go and you appoint Carlo Ancelotti because you offer him the biggest bag of money he's ever seen, you start to get ideas that you can just get any manager in the world. So I've seen Everton fans call for Conte, for Simeone, uh, for Allegri before he went to Juve. None of them are attainable for Everton. Now they should make the phone call just for the sake of it. Simeone signed a new deal. Allegri's gone to Juve. But make a phone call to Conte. See what he wants. You're not going to get him. But, you know, when they look down then and see Potter, I think a lot of Everton fans turn their nose up at it. And they shouldn't. Everton fans have set the sights now on Christoph Galtier, former Lille manager, rumoured to be going to Nice. Very, very talented manager. Did really good work at St. Etienne for a long time. Won the title at, at Lille. Now, he has said in the past on multiple occasions that his dream is to manage Liverpool. That's what he has said. There are now Everton fans on social media making up false quotes, trying to make out that he was talking about the city not the club. He was talking about the, the club, Liverpool Football Club. He was not indicating he would like to move to the city of Liverpool and manage the club that aren't Liverpool. Um, I don't think Galtier would go to Everton. I think Nice is a more appealing job to him right now. I think he'll have more money to spend, even with Everton being loaded. He'll have He's got great access to greater riches at Nice. Nobody is choosing to live in Liverpool when they can live in Nice. With the greatest respect to what is a wonderful city, nobody in their right mind who's not connected to either city would choose Liverpool over Nice if they just wanted to go and live somewhere where they've got a lot of money. You're going to go and live in Nice. Galti is a very good manager, but I think he's out of reach for Everton. I think the Nuno talk could start up again. He had previously turned them down because he was going to go to, to Palace. Maybe he's had a change of heart. Maybe that's what prompted him to change his demands. Nuno to Everton again. It, it, the squad is, is well enough set up for him. You do feel like he'd want more of a ball player at the back than Michael Keane in that middle role. But again, Holgate and Godfrey could be really good as flanking centre-backs in that three. We'll still need a right wing back. That's going to be the case. Regardless of who takes over, that's another position they have to address. I don't think Nuno will want any part of Hammers. I really don't. I've said before, I think Everton's best bet is just to say thanks and goodbye. Pay him what you have to pay him and get rid of him. That's pretty much all the news. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into the gossip. Right, welcome back. So the first piece of gossip off the BBC website is from the Telegraph. It obviously was written last night. It wasn't written today when things changed, but that Nuno was on the verge of being appointed Crystal Palace manager. It shows how close it did get. The Telegraph weren't the only newspaper to run that story. It was on the brink of happening, and he changed 
he changed his demands. So maybe he's had a better offer. Maybe he's looked at the scale of the job and thought, I don't know if I want to get into all that. Because if you go to Palace and it goes wrong, it could have a devastating effect on your career. Like, to rebuild half a squad in one summer is going to be a huge challenge. I know they've got a director of football there in Dougie Friedman. I wouldn't have much confidence in him. I think you've got to be certain that you're going to have fairly decent financial support from the ownership. And again, we don't know if that will be the case at Palace. They can be hit and miss in that regard. Uh, Manchester United have growing concerns about having let having to let Paul Pogba go on a free when his current contract ends in 2022. This summer is United's last chance to receive a significant fee with Real Madrid, Juventus, Barcelona and PSG all interested. See, you see the way they name those four clubs. That's lazy journalism. That's taking a guess that these clubs are interested because they're four big clubs and he's a big name player. You're not getting a massive fee from anyway because he's been a huge disappointment in his five years at United. And he's got one year left and he's 28. You're not getting a huge fee for Paul Pogba this summer. But United's best bet is to sell him. Because their other two options are they let him go on a free in which case, the $89 million they paid for him, the $40 million or so they paid in agents' fees and signing-on fees, and the huge contract they've just paid him will all be for nothing. Or you sign him to an extension where he will want a substantial raise and where you're going to be paying him a lot of money well into his 30s, and you're still going to be dealing with Mino Riola and his, you know, particular brand of lunacy I think United's best bet find a buyer find the player at a club that you like and offer Paul Pogba as a swap like let's just say for example that Real Madrid are interested I have doubts that they are I think it was a Zidane thing I think Zidane wanted to work with him I don't think Real actually want him But let's say Real want him. What player at Real Madrid suits what Manchester United need? Fede Valverde would be an incredible signing for United. So why not propose something of a swap? Even if you have to throw in cash, something of a swap could be beneficial. Same goes for Juve, same for Barca. Same for PSG. Find the player they have. Try and get them in the deal. Atletico Madrid have offered Spain midfielder Saul to Manchester City in exchange for Portugal forward Bernardo Silva. I have extreme doubts that that offer has been made. Saul has been linked away from Atletico Madrid by the British press for years now. And yet, he's never shown any inclination to leave. Now, he may feel that this summer is the time for him to leave. He wasn't always first choice this past season. He's a tremendous midfielder. He wouldn't be a particularly good fit for City. Doesn't really fit a position of need for Manchester City. Bernardo Silva 
to Atletico would be a little bit strange as well. He in their system, you'd imagine he would predominantly play off the right, where Marcus Loriente just had the season of his career. So that one's a bit of an odd one. Liverpool have made a £26 million bid for Roma captain and Italy midfielder Lorenzo Pellegrini as they look to find a replacement for Ginny Wijnaldum. I've contacted a couple of guys that cover Roma um, in the hope of finding out if there's any truth to this and if the, the story that he has a buyout is true. Haven't heard back yet, but it's only been an hour or so. So should have something tomorrow. Um, I'm really not sure on this one whether there's any truth to it. Now, if, if if there is truth and Liverpool could get him, that's a great signing. Pellegrini's a very, very good player. Box-to-box player, good on the ball, really good attacking instincts, makes clever runs into the box, has a bit of a knack for goals, 11 goals this past season. Now, that was a career best. Um, he'd only scored three in each of his previous three seasons for uh, for Roma, but he'd been used as more of a defensive midfielder before that. Last season was the first time he really got freed up to be more attacking. Uh, versatile player, has played as a defensive midfielder, so he's a good ball winner. I I would be in favour of that move. I have to say I would be in favour of that move. At that price as well, if that price is real, it's a no-brainer. Aston Villa, who are looking to bolster their attacker, weighing up a deal for Norway international Josh King. But Norwich and Celtic are also interested in the player. Now, Norwich apparently are out because of his wage demands. He would make sense for Villa. As a backup to Watkins... He'd make sense. I really don't understand why Everton didn't keep him. It's not like they're flush with great attacking options after the the Richarlison-Calvert-Lewin duo. Like, for me, if I'm Everton and I'm playing a front two, I've got those two up front. I bring back Moise Keane off loan. And I have him and King as my depth. And that's fine. That's a great four-man rotation. I don't think Celtic will pay the type of money King would be looking for, but I do think he'd do really well in Scotland. And I think he'd be, do really well for Celtic. Josh King is a good player. Um, it just sounds like he's asking for the wages of a very good player, which isn't what he is. Arsenal have set a £20 million asking price on Hector Bellerin with Atletico Madrid interested as a replacement for Kieran Trippier, who has been linked with a move to Manchester United. Real Betis have also shown interest in Bellerin, but the price tag will prove too much. I don't believe that they've set a £20 million asking price for him. Um, and they certainly won't get £20 million for him. Not from anyone smart, anyway. He's a very average player. Um, I, I think this has actually come from Metro, which you can probably just throw it in the bin if that's where it is from originally. Um, Juventus have been linked with Bellerin and could offer Aaron Ramsey to the Gunners in a swap deal. Do you know what? There's a lot of Arsenal fans that would take that deal. Uh, as bad as Bellerin is, I wouldn't touch Aaron Ramsey with a 40-foot barge pole. He has been desperate for Juve. His injuries have only gotten worse since leaving Arsenal. He is now 30. 
he is declining. And, um, yeah, he, he really is not worth the hassle of trying to bring him back. He's also on ridiculous money at Juventus and would probably want ridiculous money from whoever he joins next. Liverpool are interested in Porto midfielder Fabio Vieira after the 21-year-old was named player of the tournament at the under-21 European Championships despite his side losing the final to Germany on Sunday. Talented player. Don't know if he's quite ready to leave ben, uh, leave Porto at this point. Now, he is out of contract next summer, which leads me to think this might just be his agent trying to get a new deal for him. He's not a particularly good fit for Liverpool. Um, his best role is as a 10. I don't even think he's the best number 10 on the books of um, of Porto, personally. I don't think he's the best young number 10 that they own. I think Vitania is a better player than him, personally. I think this is his agent trying to get him a, a better contract. That's my view on it. Borussia Dortmund and Norway striker Erling Haaland is keen to join Chelsea and is willing to wait a year to make the move. Um, well, he's been keen to join Barcelona, Juventus, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Manchester City. He's keen to join whoever's going to pay him the most money. That's what he's keen to do. Liverpool and Japan forward Takumi Minamino has been linked to the move back to Southampton where he spent time on loan last season after Ralph Hasenhutl made an inquiry about his future. So the Liverpool Echo, uh, which was once a great paper and is now just a despicable rag, uh, they have said that he is in the plans for next season, which reminds me of the time that Danny Ward was going to get his chance as Liverpool's number one. Uh, he's not available for loan because Liverpool are trying to sell all their you know, squad players and Deadwood and whatever else. Uh, so I believe Minamino will leave Liverpool, but it will be on a permanent deal. And I think, I think 12 and a half to 15 million probably gets the deal done. So if Saints are serious, I, I do think, I do think it's a deal that happens. Uh, Brighton boss Graham Potter is still in contention to become our, uh, Everton's new manager after the departure of Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I think it makes sense. I, I do think it makes sense. Arsenal started talks at Wolves over a potential move for Portugal midfielder Ruben Neves with the Gunners keen to line up a replacement for Granite Xhaka. As I said yesterday, I, I, I'm genuinely stunned that there are Arsenal fans suggesting that this isn't a sizable upgrade. Like, Granite Xhaka has played mind tricks on Arsenal fans for years. He has fooled lots of Arsenal fans into believing he's good. What he did was he set the bar so low for himself and was so genuinely terrible that when he became just below average, people thought he was good. We've seen it with many other players over the years. Fan bases get fooled like this. If a player comes in and sets the bar really low, anything above that is, is good. Managers do it as well. Roy Hodgson's the master of it. Come in, Tell the club we'll be lucky if we don't get relegated. Finish 15th and look like a genius. Bayern Munich have revived interest in Callum Hudson-Odoi with the Champions League winners open to offers for the 20-year-old. 
Byron tried to sign him a couple of years ago. Then he had the uh, the Achilles problem. Signed that big contract with Chelsea. Hasn't really had many opportunities since. Incredible talent. Absolutely incredible talent. But never really given a consistent run of games. Now, the problem at Byron is he's not going to be a first-choice starter. They've got Serge Gnabry on one wing, Leroy Sané on the other. They also own Kingsley Coman. Now, Kingsley Coman could leave this summer. He apparently wants a new contract, and the contract he's being offered is not to his liking. But, I mean, they could sell him and buy Hudson-Odoi. It's it's a good move, I think, for, for Bayern. Don't think there's a huge gulf between them. As, as I really like Kingsley Coleman. He's a really good player. But I think Hudson-Odoi can be an exceptionally good player. If the money works, it, it could be a move that makes sense. You get younger. You get a player on a long-term contract. I would imagine he'll have plenty of suitors, though. If he is actually available, Hudson Adoy will have a lot of suitors, as will Kingsley Coleman if Byron decide to move him on. Uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, this is a story from yesterday, wants clarity from manager Mikel Arteta about his future. And again, allegedly hasn't heard from him, hasn't heard a word from Arteta, despite asking to be told what's the plan. Uh, yet more indicators towards dreadful man management and really poor squad management from a manager who is clearly out of his depth. Roman manager Jose Mourinho is keen to sign Wolves goalkeeper and fellow countryman Rui Patricio. The Premier League club have lined up Olympiacos Portuguese goalkeeper Jose Sa as the potential replacement. So this came from the spoofer with the catchphrase. Now Jose Sa is a George Mendes client, which I believe is why he's been linked, I think Wolves would be absolutely out of their mind to buy him. I don't think he's any good at all. I think that would be a massive downgrade. Patricia's not the goalkeeper he was a few years ago, but he's still a good goalkeeper. I don't think Sa's particularly good at all. Uh, Spanish midfielder Danny Ceballos wants to return to La Liga next season after his loan spell from Arsenal or with Arsenal from Real Madrid came to an end. They should just loan him back to Real Betis. That's where he was good. He hasn't been good since he left them. He needs to be a big fish in a small pond. He needs a team built round him. I think the best thing that could happen to him is going back to Real Betis on loan. And then maybe staying there permanently. Um, He's clearly, he's got talent. He's just, he's not suited to the Premier League at all. And he's not good enough to be... um, to be a player for for a club like Real Madrid. Simple as that. He's just not of the level for Real Madrid. Roy Hodgson turned down an approach by West Brom to be the new manager. I don't think that's true. Again, it's from Football Insider, as I said yesterday. Spoofing is, is quite a, a, a big part of their brand. Dutch left-back Jetro Williams wants to return to Newcastle having become a free agent after leaving Eintracht Frankfurt, spent the 1920 season there on loan and did quite well until he got injured. Um, he was meant to be like the next big thing for the Netherlands at left back, but never quite developed when he went to PSV. Talented player, um, inconsistent. 19 games on loan with Newcastle until he got hurt. He'd make sense, especially if they do want to play a back three. He would make sense. 
He's not a particularly good defender. He's he's good going forward and he's rapid. But if you had him and Jamal Lewis, you'd probably be happy enough. Guy mentioned to me before we came on, uh, Newcastle and Spurs both looking at Weghorst. Player, I think, is born to play in the Premier League, so it would make sense. Uh, Chelsea and England midfielder Ruben Loftus-Cheek has been identified as Mauricio Sarri's top target once the Italian ex-Blues manager takes over at Lazio. Now, this morning, Lazio have cryptically put up an emoji of a cigarette. Um, They did this a few weeks ago as well, and it looked like it was going to get confirmed, but now it does seem to be the case that Sarri is on his way to Lazio. Loftus-Cheek needs a change of scenery, and Serie A could be very good for me. He's slowed a bit since his Achilles injury, so potentially Serie A could be good for him. He did play quite a big role under Sarri. Um, 40 appearances, 10 goals, best season of his career. So perhaps Sarri is the one that can get the best out of him. The issue there is they have Sergei Milinkovic-Savage, who plays a similar role, is a similar type of build. I don't think he could play the two of them together, but maybe they're looking at selling Sergei. AC Milan have begun talks with Chelsea about making a triple signing with the Rossoneri keen on Oli Giroud, Hakim Ziyech and Fikayo Tomori. I would absolutely believe this other than the Giroud part. I don't think anyone's going to buy Giroud and I, I don't think Chelsea are going to agree to let him go on a free. If they were, why would they have extended his contract for the year? I think Chelsea will keep him in the hopes that they can go in and get Haaland next summer. That's my guess. Zayic, I absolutely think Chelsea will be ready to move on from. It hasn't worked. I said when they signed him, there's a reason he stayed in the Eredivisie so long that so many clubs passed on the opportunity to sign him. Very, very gifted footballer. Doesn't always perform in big games against tough opposition. And Tamori, obviously, they've had on loan and they should absolutely be keeping him. If they make a decision not to keep him, and he's still available, well, first of all, Chelsea should be bringing him back and putting him in their team. But if they're too stupid to do that, a whole bunch of Premier League clubs should be all over signing him. Um, Milan have been told that signing Braham Diaz on a permanent deal from Real Madrid will cost him £26 million, but the La Liga club are open to loaning him out again. That's from goal. Now, I think when they loaned him, they had an option to buy it eighteen million. So I don't know if that figure is right. I'd have to look it up. But I seem to remember eighteen million was the fee. He was at Man City. Uh, it was a little bit of chicanery, accounting chicanery, when he went to went to Real, who made a big fuss of signing this great Spanish talent and that never played him and loaned him out. Um, would make sense to bring him back on loan. I, I wouldn't buy him personally. I'd want to see a lot more from him. I'd want to see a lot more consistency. But it would make sense. And then the final bit of news that's come out today is that Chelsea have allegedly matched PSG's offer for um, Ashraf Hakimi of Inter Milan. A right wing back who mandates that you have to play three at the back to get the best out of him. He will not be anywhere near as efficient or anywhere near as effective if you use him as a right back in a four. He's not a particularly good defender, but he is phenomenal going forward. 
a huge part of Inter Milan's title-winning season. It's interesting considering Chelsea owned the greatest right-wing back in the history of football in Reese James that they're going to do this now. Obviously, it would mean James stays at the right-side centre-back role that he's played at the end of the season. But it's going to make you quite weak defensively if that is the right side of your of your defence. You'll be really good going forward and really poor defensively. It's going to be a lot of heavy lifting for the other two centre-backs and your midfield. Uh, that is it then. That is all we have for today. So I thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for sharing. Tell a friend. Thank you to Guy Drinkle and thank you to Fox Hunt for our music. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.